Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk. Just to mention, if you've little ears around you at the moment, for the next few minutes, we are going to be, um, I suppose, well, chatting about something of a of an older person, adult age group nature, just if you have uh, little people beside you. Um, every Friday as part of our Ask Me Anything, we chat to people from interesting backgrounds, maybe working in, in unusual professions or careers. And today I'm chatting to sex educator and professional dominatrix in Ireland, Clarity Mills. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Andrea. Um, just explain, first of all, what is a sex educator? Yeah, sex educators are people who host workshops or work with individuals to help them improve their sex lives. This generally does what it says on the tin. It's it's as simple as that. Simple as, yeah. Are you there with people? Yes. So I host classes in person as well as online. And then I also um, work with individuals in individual sessions, usually couples or individuals working on improving their sex lives or exploring different kinds of kinks or fantasies. Are pe- like, do people typically, you know, make contact with you, come to you? Are they referred? How does that work? Yeah. So because this is not my only career, I actually own a technology company as well. I am pretty selective about who I work with and they're generally referred to me by mental health practitioners. So I like to work with people who have more significant sexual dysfunction um, because that's where I feel like I can help the most. And they're generally referred to me by psychologists, psychiatrists or other professionals that they're working with. I also get a lot more queries, but I probably only accept about 5% of those who reach out to me or even less than probably. Okay, yeah. so you're you're pretty selective about yeah. who you, you work with. Yeah, yeah. okay. A um, lot, lot of listeners um, getting in touch, Clarity, today. 87 106 that is the number. You can send us in a WhatsApp. Actually, voice notice if you like either. Laura has sent in this question. What is the weirdest thing you've ever been asked to do? Thank you, Laura. That's a great question. So um, all kinds of things, I think, because it's a public radio, we'll keep it PG-13. Um, one of the things that people don't understand about most kinks and fantasies is that they're very unique to each person and they're not necessarily overtly sexual in nature. So um, there was an individual I worked with that comes to mind who wanted to be submerged in a bathtub of treacle. So we arranged treacle. treacle. Yeah, it's a lot of treacle. It's very dear. <laughs> Getting, you know, 500 liters of treacle. Um, but we were able to do this scene. And the story was that when he was a young person, um, he had actually had a similar experience covered in a sticky subject, found it very arousing and also terrifying. So it was a way to work through some of that ch- trauma is recreate the experience. Okay. And are, are there ever points where you say, you know, no, I'm not, or yeah, I'm sure there is. All, all the time. Literally yeah. more often than not. Really, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have another voice note uh, in from this listener too. Hi, just wondering if your dominatrix gives lessons one-to-one and gives tips and tricks. Thanks. Hi, yes, I do give lessons one-to-one and I do do tips and tricks. I'm actually starting a podcast around sex education and health, mental health and physical health. So it's... Uh, anecdotally called a shrink a doc and a hoe and we're literally a doctor and a psychiatrist and myself are talking about different aspects of kink and bdsm and and their origins and then also on all my social media channels which is doma underscore clarity or dominaclarity.com you can find me and i have uh lots of advice and i do work with individuals and you can reach me through all those different channels okay oh eight seven fourteen hundred one oh six is the number we've another question in from tom Hi, Clarence. I was just wondering what type of personalities um, that your customers would see. And if, if there's more of a dominant personality, that you would, that would be one of your um, one of your customers. 
Yeah, that's a great question. And very often that is the case. So there's this very famous Oscar Wilde quote, which is everything in life is about sex except for sex. Sex is about power. And in essence, if I were to describe what's at the core of kink and BDSM and alternative sexual lifestyles in general, it's power exchange. So very common, a very common paradigm and dynamic would be where somebody is very large and in charge and assertive in their life wants to surrender that in the bedroom. And eroticizing certain aspects of kinks, like people have a difficult time understanding that more extreme kinks are actually the way that the body and the mind is trying to work out trauma associated with it. It's a version of self-soothing and inducing a you know, a, a parasympathetic nervous system response to calm the body down when you're stressed out. So we talk about this, and I've talked about this in several podcasts in the past, but people tend to find funerals sexier affairs than weddings because weddings are happy and funerals are quite sad. So in order to self-soothe, people will become aroused actually as a, as a way to deal with that. Nice. Yeah. So what you find is people who have to be very large and in charge in their lives and that takes a personal toll, they will, they'll oftentimes want to switch that in the bedroom. So that's very often the case. Yeah. Uh, messaging from a listener. Um, have things changed, you know, in the past few years? Are Irish people more open to this or are we still as prudish or are we actually as prudish as people think we are? That's a good question. That's a great question. I've actually been fortunate to live quite abroad quite extensively. So I've lived in nine different countries and traveled even more um, in my life for my career and so forth. And Ireland is more conservative than most countries, even Muslim or or Asian and other types of countries that I've lived in in the past. However, it's come so far so quickly. So in Gen Z, I see a lot of hope and promise where things like gender, um, you know, and trans issues and sexual orientation and sexual preferences and polyamory and all these things are kind of coming to the fore and it's really changing quickly. But the difference between Jen said here, what I've observed anecdotally, and older generations is that the gap was closed really quickly. Mm. Um, so Ireland was the first country to legalize gay marriage by popular referendum. But in 1989, condoms were illegal. Divorce was illegal until yeah. 1995. You couldn't buy pornographic magazines until 1999. So it's come really far, really fast. Uh, and I think there's still a little bit of whiplash happening from that. Okay. Uh, we have another uh, message in from Kevin. So I'd be curious, kind of, given all the the coverage that has, that people in this industry have gotten over the last couple of years, how do you feel women and some men are treated when you know they they announce what they do for a living? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. So I, it's funny. I've done some TV here in Ireland with mm. Virgin Media, conversations with some other television channels about other programs on this on this fame. But I also work with Irish companies. So when I did my first TV appearance, you know, I didn't really think to announce, but I was like, I should probably tell my client that I'm working, my technical consulting client that I'm working with. And the person that I was working with was like, that's the deadliest thing I've ever heard. So people tend to be quite warm and receptive. I mean, because it's, you know, we're consenting adults. I'm, I'm, uh, my motivation in doing it is helping people. And I hope I make that transparent and everything and the way I talk um, about it and is, is trying to help people then their mental health and destigmatize um, people's fantasy space because shame is, is the source of sexual dysfunction and happier sex lives make happier people make a happier society. So I think it's changing really quickly, but um, there are, are some biases. People are like, Oh, you're, you're a prostitute. <laughs> it's like, no, that's sort of weird by definition, sex workers. Um, but we don't do, we're not like pretty woman, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what you're so there's, there's probably lack of understanding then, is, this, is that how you Yeah, there's lack of understanding, but generally the bias that Irish people are so wonderful in this way um, is that there's a huge bias for, uh, to accept people, you know, yeah. and say, oh, well, that's... Well, sort of curious as well. You know, yeah. see it even from, you know, the, the interest in, in talking to you today from, yeah. from listeners. On yeah. that, we have another question from Adam. 
I was just wondering how the current sex work policy in Ireland affects your work and what you think it should be like. Yeah, it's a wonderful question. So sex work is legal in Ireland for individual proprietors. You are not allowed to live in a multi-domestic house. So, for example, like a brothel, if you have multiple, I think it's more than four women cohabitating, unrelated that are practicing some form of sex work, it's considered by law to be a brothel. Um, There's a lot further it can go. So there's a statute in 2017, it's unchallenged about sex clubs. So there are sex clubs and swingers clubs in Ireland. They are legal. They are licensed. Um, However, it's a very fine line between having a registered public house and having a space that consenting adults can go and play. And the, the jurisdictions and the laws are untested at this moment. There's opportunity for improvement. But generally, actually, much like most of the EU um, laws towards sex work very heavily favor the protect practitioners and protect the pr- practitioners, and, and in this, my case, would be females, um, pretty pretty well on, cons- on par with other European countries. Are, are there opportunities for improvement? 100%. Okay. Just an interesting one here from a listener who says, are you seriously covering sex work as a career choice? Because that is what a dominatrix, dominatrix is, no matter how you cover it. Or yeah, it is. It is by definition sex work. And I think recently during COVID, especially, we saw the uprise of things like OnlyFans channels and other forms of Patreons and other kinds of definition, by definition, sex work. Um, really creep into people's households where you saw, you know, college students above the age of 18 making livings, significant mm. livings. I've talked to quite a few people who work in, a, you know, yeah. only fans here on the show. Actually yeah, about it. absolutely. And so it is, it is sex workers work, right? It's a legitimate form of work. I used to, when I first started years ago, because I've been doing this for a very long time, um, not, you know, disassociate myself from the idea of sex work, but I realized that, that that's uh, elitist and just because I don't have PNV sort of, ex- you know, experiences with okay. people doesn't mean that it's, uh, you know, less than or worse than. Finally, maybe. quick one. Is it mainly men or women who seek your services, asks this listener? Actually, it's mixed. It's a mixed combination of both. It would be more equal. I would say 60-40 leaning towards male, but it's a combination of both. Oftentimes it's couples working on their relationships, same okay. sex or other. Yeah, it's great. Listen, Clarity Mills, thanks a million for coming in, joining us here on uh, Lunchtime Live. Ask me anything. You can listen back to the show, the Newstalk app, subscribe to Lunchtime Live. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday. Brought to you by Active Iron on Newstalk.